What's up, y'all? My name is T. Shaw, and this is Brewing Black Podcast, where the contents we serve you is authentic, vulnerable, and relatable. That means we serve you with no cream and no sugar. I guess I like my coffee black! What's good, Jaws? T. Shaw, pronouns he, him, his. And this is Scholar P. My pronouns are he, him, his. And this is Brewing Black, giving you all the latest black news and entertainment for our intellectuals, our millennials, and those who like their information like we like our news. How we like it, T. Shaw? Black. <laughs> How you feeling, brother? Bro, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Today was kind of a hectic day at work, but... You know, I'm back in the gym this week. I'm feeling good. You know, California slowly but surely opening up. We are officially fully vaccinated. I got my second dose two weeks ago. So I feel like I can go outside and raw dog the air. <laughs> How you feeling? Yo, I, was, well, I, I wasn't ready for raw dog the air. Um, that's, that's, oh man, that's going to be the, uh, that's going to be the phrase of, of the summer. I'm a, um I'm feeling really good. Um, like you said, you know, we're, you know, California's about to open all the way back up. That's coming out on June 15th. Mm-hmm. June 15th is when it all opens back up. Um, I, and bro, I've, I was, I've been working out a little bit too. I, I started working out last week. Um, and it's just getting back in the habit of doing it, yeah. um, for, for your, for the self-love and you got to get these summer bodies ready because you know, when we, when we back outside, we're going to be back outside. You know what I'm saying? So like, we, we got to show people, you know, that we've been busting our tail and mentally, emotionally, and physically. You feel what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I feel <laughs> it. I feel like just like, uh, Meg say, I can be a hot boy and my girl pick me up later. So it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> Basically, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, we still joking. We still joking, but we still will be wearing our mask. Uh, wearing mask is important for other people that may have not chosen to get vaccinated or um, I don't know. There's different there's, there's different reasons they might not have gotten the vaccine. But so keeping that mask on is still pretty important. But, you know, when nobody around, I'm definitely going to get a little taste real quick. <laughs> I'm done. I'm uh, done. But yeah, uh, before we get started, you know, we got to do our land acknowledgements, y'all. Um, we're still in, in the City of Angels. Um, so this is the land of the Garolino and the Tongva. This is stolen land. This is colonized land. And we will always, always, always pay those respects. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we we also just want to take... Um, a, a few seconds to acknowledge some of the things that have been going on um, this this week um, and just some some really quick acknowledgments. First of all, DMX, um, DMX, he suffered from a, a drug overdose and he's in very critical condition. Um, and, you know, he's he's in the fight for his life right now. Yeah. Um, but the, the beautiful thing about DMX is um, he, he's inspired so many people. Um, and, and he's, he's really been a whole movement for his whole career. And there've been, there's been such an outpouring of love, mm-hmm. um, from all types of celebrities and, and fans across the globe. And so we want to say shout out to you, uh, DMX. Uh, we, we got love for you. Thank you for impacting, you know, my childhood. I remember, I think I first started really listening to DMX around the time of like, uh, uh, like Mike Bow Wow, oh, yeah. Chestnuts movies <laughs> oh, me. when they're when they're bumping it in the car, crazy. You know what I'm what? saying? What? What? <laughs> right, right. Um, I he's he's 
he's always found a way to, to show up. His music has always found a way to, you know, be timeless um, and hit multiple generations. And so uh, we just appreciate that. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite songs from him is Lord, give me a sign. Um, mm. So as, 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 you know, as tough as he is, you know, his, his spiritual songs be getting me through it sometimes. So um, he, he, he's just, he's just great in that regard. Um, so shout out to DMX. Um, another thing that we want to uh, quickly acknowledge too is UCLA did a great fight. They put up a great fight against Gonzaga, mm-hmm. um, but they ultimately lost at a last minute buzzer beater. Heartbreaking, um, y'all. It's heartbreaking. That, that was heartbreaking, but you know what? Um, you know, some things, that some things are just meant to be is mm-hmm. not like uh, UCLA were scrubs and, and yeah. it was, it was a big fight. Um, and so shout out to the effort that we put in and shout out to Baylor who, who crushed everyone mm-hmm. in, in their path for, for the final four. So shout out to you. I know the, the program was going through a lot of craziness when the head coach took over in 2003. And so um, it's, it's great to see a comeback story. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> shout out to the boys at UCLA. I think it was one yeah. of the greatest games I've ever seen college basketball wise. Um, but just like you said, like some things just not meant to be like Suggs was God's favorite that night. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and also we want to quickly acknowledge uh, the Space Jams trailer. That thing looks lit. Yeah, um, yeah. Shout out to Ron. That's it. He said a new legacy. LeBron is LeBron is bold. We know what he's saying. You know me? <laughs> we know what he's saying. Oh, but you man. know what? He's, he's he, he is, I mean, it's it's true in a sense, right? I think that, you know, he's re, redefined the league and I don't even really want to compare compare him to, to MJ because I think that people always do that. I want to enjoy this um, for what it is. And mm-hmm. I think that it's going to be a really fun film. Um, and so shout out to, to him and his team and what they're doing. Um, but speaking of LeBron's rivals, um, <laughs> one of his former rivals, Paul Pierce, my God. Um, <laughs> we want to quickly acknowledge him for one of the, the craziest, most inspirational terminations we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was recently fired for going on his Instagram live and, um, you know, entertaining like, like, strippers, uh, our, our sex workers. Um, and you know, I, we, we, me and Tisha, we saw the video and we were sort of like, oh, the, we, we saw one cut of the video. We're like, oh, it's, it's not too crazy. Yeah. See, might see one booty in the background, yeah. but he's just a little <laughs> faded. That's it. He's trying to support sex workers. He said, Monica, where you at, girl? Come get paid. Come get paid. But then, you know, we saw the T-Shaw sent me a clip of a more extended version <laughs> um, where he's, he's really, you know, giving commands. Um, he's commandeering. Uh, he is, he is the general giving all sorts of orders to these. He told, I think my favorite moment was when he told the one girl to like that her booty looked like, uh, two Celtics championships. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, but Paul Pierce, the audacity of you to say that. Cause you've only won you one. Got one. I, I feel like if this was Larry Bird, I'd be like, all right, cool. Yeah, all yeah. right, Larry. Yeah. All right, Larry. Bill hey. Russell, maybe. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? But but Paul, that that was that was probably the most egregious thing, in my opinion, that you did. But you're also a legend for it. I don't know. Absolutely. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but 
Shout out to Paul Pierce. He's, he's already getting offers from companies, um, you know, uh, six figure offers to, to host, um, you know, sports shows and stuff like that. So that features he'll be sex all right. workers. Yeah. So like, I think that that's kind of cool. Like he's, he's found a new lane. He's developing a whole new brand of sports commentary. So that's cool. My favorite part from the video is he told the girl to do like the doodle dropper or something. Like, <laughs> I said, oh, somebody gotta get this man a phone. Yeah, yeah. Look, look. That's why. That's why, uh, folks. It's very important to have a team, team around you, um, and and to sort of know what you can and and what you should or will or won't do. But at the same time, I think that we we gotta appreciate the fact that like this this black man can actually do whatever he wants because you know he he is a multimillionaire, right? He's a Hall Absolutely. of Famer. He's a um or or future Hall of Famer. Um is he in the Hall of Fame? Is he is he in the Hall of Fame? Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think so. He might he is he got a spot and he deserves a spot. I don't know if he's in there yet, but it's yeah, on his way. yeah. But but he's you know, at the end of the day, he's he's a legendary player. He he did a lot for the city of Boston. So, you know, he's gonna be fine. And and I enjoy the fact that we can sort of laugh, laugh at this and like we don't I don't feel like his life is being snatched away away from him in a sense, right? He's still mm-hmm. a multimillionaire. He's gonna be fine. And this was this is one of my best laughs of, of the week. So uh shout out to you, Paul Pierce. We know you'll land on your feet there, buddy. Um <laughs> uh but speaking of people who are uh, legendary. We also want to say that Roy Williams from, you know, uh, UNC Chapel Hill, the head basketball coach, he is finally uh, retiring um, after many a decade uh, coaching, you know, UNC basketball. Um, I believe he won three national titles for them. Um, I remember, you know, when I, when I was at Duke, he was, he was coaching uh, the the Tar Heels, of course. And um, it was great. He was a part of, you know, great moments in my history, you know, like when we destroyed Chapel Hill multiple times, um, <laughs> shout out to Chapel Hill. Um, I burned a lot of benches, um, you know, Ooh, you uh, because, you know, Chapel Hill. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because, yeah, because Ch- Chapel Hill was, was losing. Um, I, and, you know, I, I appreciate it, you know, when Villanova beat Chapel Hill and, you know, I'm always going to throw shade, shade at Chapel Hill, show my champion, my championship <laughs> status and stuff like that. But um, Chapel Hill really helped make, make me really be into college uh, basketball because the rivalries were great. So mm-hmm. all jokes aside, we appreciate Roy Williams. Absolutely. Um, but <laughs> for all of you who listen to us uh, weekly, you know, you know what we're about to have to get into. And for those of you who don't know, I'm going to tell you, we have to get into something called the light roast. roast. Uh, and for those of you who are just tuning in, the light roast is when we critique someone or something in society um, that's been a little bit problematic, um, but uh, and that's been a little bit hurtful. Um, but we try to show love and care afterwards if it is possible, if we can. All right. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> this this week, you know, Roy Williams had a replacement, and people were talking about hoping that his replacement was a black coach because a lot of times black coaches don't get the opportunities that mm-hmm. they need, um, whether it be in the NCAA or in the NBA. And so, um, we're glad that uh, you know Hubert uh, Davis got got this position. He was working at Chapel Hill as an assistant coach, um, but then Hubert Hubert had an, a, a speech, an acceptance speech that was a little bit uh troubling and you know we we want to play it for you all and then explain why we got to give this brother um a light roast (laughs) yeah i'll pull it up right now oh man it's 
Child. It's significant, Steve. It, it, it's significant that I'm African-American and I'm the head coach here. It, it's significant. Um, I know that in terms of Division I head coaches all around the country, only 26% of the head coaches for Division I men's basketball are compromised by minorities, specifically African-Americans. I know that it is significant that I'm fourth African-American head coach in any sport in the history of the University of North Carolina. I'm very proud to be African-American, but I'm also very proud that my wife is white and I'm very proud that my three beautiful, unbelievable kids are a combination of both of us. Like, oh, come on, bro. <laughs> okay. All right. So, all right. Now, this is this is what I'll say. This is what I'll say, okay? Coming from North Carolina, born and raised, um, what I realized the more I go back home is that interracial relationships, for it to be the South, like, they are booming in North Carolina. Mm. Um, my mom is in one. My uh, most of my stepsisters are in one. Um, you know, I, I it's a lot of some of my best friends are the product of inter, interracial unions. And so, Bruin Black wants to start off this this segment by saying we support interracial marriages. We have no problem with. America sort of being a place where different cultures can learn to love and appreciate each other so much that they form a union of love, of love. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, that's the first thing that we, that we got to say that we must say, however, and, and let, let, let me say this too. I know that what he's trying to say is that he appreciates the fact that, you know, we live in a diverse enough world where, a, a black man and a white woman can be together <laughs> um, where we can have black boys and black girls <laughs> and biracial boys and biracial girls come together. I, that's what he's trying to say. However, I, you know, no one asks you that. First of all, mm-hmm. he, this has nothing to do with, with basketball. What it, what it, how it comes off is that you are, you are extremely proud to have a white wife. Not that you're extremely proud to, to live in a diverse world that <laughs> North Carolina and Chapel Hill is a diverse place where people of all cultures can find love with each other. No, what it comes off as is, oh, I got a wife that's white and I'm proud of that boy. Yeah. Um, it, it's bad, man. Uh, it, it makes us look bad. I'll, I'll give y'all a story. One time I was dancing with a woman who I believed to be biracial, but she happened to be white. And I remember I was dancing with her and this guy, before I knew she was white, this guy came up to me and he gave, he like gave me dapper, gave me a high five. And I had no idea why he was doing that at the time until I realized that the young lady I was dancing with was indeed white. And so it, it became this thing where, it's like, man, we, you can't be pr- proud to be attached to whiteness because mm. it makes it seem as if you're ashamed to be black. Yeah. You know, he could have been proud to have a black wife, too. He could have mm. been proud to have a Latinx, an indigenous, an, an Indian, a, an Asian man. Like it, there's so many things you can be proud of. And, yeah. and so 
for him, it might've been better for him to say something like, I'm glad that, that like Chapel Hill is such a diverse community. And my family is a reflection of how diverse that community yeah. is. And, yeah. and, and we're accepted in that way. Right. And so this is why people need a good team around them and people need, you need to really show your work to people sometimes because you just said, Oh, you, I'm proud to have uh, a white wife. And we understand that unfortunately some of, some of us is not only as black men, but other men of color put white women on a pedestal Mm -hmm. and, and it's, uh, and it's not something that white women necessarily acts, acts for, but it's, it's the fact that a lot of people want to be close to whiteness because they, they don't think well enough of their own culture and they feel like if the closer I am to whiteness, the closer I am to the privileges of whiteness, which is sometimes true, but not necessarily true. And you come off weird, bro. And, and it's just, it's really a, a bad choice of words, but I will say, I understand what he was trying to say, but you don't come on national television or at least come to a, to a press conference um, well, you know, millions of people are going to be watching what you say and say, I'm proud that my wife is white. You can yeah. be proud that your wife is a great mother, that she's a caring partner, um, that, that she loves basketball. She loves basketball. But, but saying that you're proud that someone is white really is, is an interesting thing for you to be saying as a, a black man, especially mm-hmm. when your kids, I, I'm making the assumption that your kids are going to look like they are not just white. And so what does it mean for your kids? You know, I don't know if he has daughters, but what would it look like if, if he had a, a daughter and she, and she was like, Oh, he, he's proud of the whiteness, but like yeah. <laughs> he's not even say he's proud of the blackness, even though he did acknowledge that, like he understands how significant this is. Just don't go back after that and then say, Hey, I'm proud that my wife is, is white. So that's, that's that. Yeah. That's that on that, man. Yeah. Oh, no. I think the the biggest thing, just like you said, is like he equated having a white wife as high as accomplishment of being one of the only black coaches in the NCAA. Like that, he put those on the same level. And so when you're saying putting whiteness on a pedestal, that's how that comes across. That's why it feels so weird. You're talking about how great it is to be one of the only black people in this space. And then you say, wow, it's so amazing. I have a white woman too. <laughs> so I think scholar P is giving him way more grace than I really would, would give him. Cause it's like, bro, it was neither the time nor place to bring that up. But I do, I do understand. Like, I think when you bring that, that North Carolina context into it, right. Knowing there's a history of segregation and, um, interracial relationships were frowned upon not only frowned upon that they were like demonized in a way especially as him as a black man but i think that like in that it it puts again these interracial relationships on almost on a pedestal like you could be proud i don't i don't know it's it just it's just so weird the timing and the placing of it was just so weird and i just think i like to get out like you know when a dude running at him and it just veers to the left. It was like, okay, okay, okay. And it, whoa, it just went left way before. Like, it, I just was so confused. Um, but again, that's only a minute clip. Uh, so I think it, it comes out of context. But it's just like thinking about how powerful your word is. And like, 
it just just read the room like was that the time or the place for that no not at all like uh, I, <laughs> I just think that like it it i felt like it undermines uh some of what he was talking about like he's like oh yeah i'm not that black because i got a white woman that's what i felt that's why i felt like it came <laughs> off yeah no it, it was it was pretty it was pretty wild and i think to your point like there's still you know there's there's a lot of interracial relationships in north carolina but there, there are plenty of colorblind ones, meaning mm-hmm. that race people look at look at it like, oh, you're just a human being, and I'm just a human being. And it's just like, nah, that's not that's not what we subscribe to. Like, you need to be able to appreciate the difference in the culture of of your partner, and know that know that their culture comes with implications, and know that your biracial child is going to live and have certain experiences based on embodying both of your cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that you know, if even if your child is part part white they're not going to get all the benefits of whiteness if they if they can't pass completely for for white and i don't think that you know people have that conversation enough in north carolina i happen to have some 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 stepsisters who who understand that those sentiments so shout out to Dorisa, shout out to to Zanya. um and and um you know but I, I don't i don't know if that's i don't even know if i would call that that the the norm and so i think this is a great time to maybe start exploring those, those conversations a little bit more. And I, and I love what you said about it to It just felt like you're talking about blackness, but then you also say, <laughs> I'm proud of my proximity to oh, whiteness. whiteness. And yeah. like, no one even really asked you about your family <laughs> and I'll, and, and, but, but also he's, he, I'm also thinking about him trying to appease uh, a Southern community who has had this old white man coaching them mm-hmm, for years. Mm-hmm. Like I can only imagine what, what, like what type of appeasing a black coach would have to do if they came after coach K, yeah. um, especially with Duke being a private institution. And so mm-hmm. there's just so many politics and uh, around and it. Um, yeah. And, but, but even so black man, be, be a black man, stand on your blackness and be proud of it and, and love your family because they're your family, not because you know, one of them is completely white. <laughs> yeah, you right? don't got a shuck and job for massa. Nah, nah, not, not, not at all, <laughs> not at all. Um, but you know, we're we're in today is going to be a very very big uh a sports sports you know uh pod if you will. Okay, mm-hmm. today is going to be a very very big sports pod. Um, and we've we we've done a lot of we've we've done a lot of talking. Um, about different areas uh, of the of the sports world, but we've basically sort of had it in the the context of men, right? We've been talking about uh, men's men's sports and men's experiences in sports and college basketball, this and Paul Pierce that and Space Jams this and UCLA Gonzaga that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's been with the men's side, right? Um, but what we know is that. Um, you know, a lot of times women's sports don't get the shine that, that they're supposed to get. Um, even earlier, we, we actually need to go, go ahead and say this. Shout out to, to Stanford, uh, the women's basketball team for winning the national title. Yeah. Um, we we want to give them their props, props and dues. But, you know, like like, you know, we've been doing for these past few months, me and T. Shaw want to bring in experts. We want to bring in people who have firsthand lived experiences in the topics that we talk talk no. about, right? Because me and T. Shaw, you know, uh, you know, trying to be on our swaggy stuff, we have some knowledge, but we don't have the not all the knowledge. We don't have the firsthand knowledge 
knowledge that our audience needs to hear. Right. And so we want to bring on people who do have that knowledge, who can who can give you the truth, truth about some of the topics that we're bringing up. And so today we have a very, very um, special, special guest. Um, I want you all to say hi to Miss Kendall Cooper. Um, she is hailing all the way from Carson, California, um, and she's currently a pro basketball player. Um, she she went to a, a high school um, in Long Beach. So shout out to the LBC. Um, and then she went on to play for Duke. Duke, one of the best schools ever. Uh, so shout <laughs> out to her for, for just great decision making, honestly. Um, but but since then, she's uh, playing professionally overseas. So let me tell you all where she's been throughout her career. All right. She's been to Dubai, Australia, Puerto Rico, Japan and France. Um, and this in this upcoming season, um, you know, God, God willing, um, you know, no, no more issues with the with COVID and the pandemic. She's going to be in France once again. Um, and so I want to give her a chance to say hey to the people. Kendall, how you doing? Yes, How welcome are to you? The show. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Absolutely. Hey. Yes. I, thank you. Thank you for taking the time um, to, to join us. I, I know I know it's I know it's evening time. I know as an athlete, you, you're putting in hard hours all the time, training, doing your thing. Um, but we but we need it. We needed this. We needed this. We needed your expertise. Um, and so we want you to tell the people a little bit more about yourself. Um, tell us um, a little bit about how you sort of came to love basketball and how you knew it was something that you wanted to commit your life to. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I mean, I've been playing basketball, you know, since a young age. Um, it was kind of a family thing at first. Mom played, she went to Oregon. My dad played um, and he went to, you know, a smaller school out here in, in California. Um and I was the only child uh, who continued to play after, you know, high school. Um, it's, it's just, after a certain point, you're so involved with something, it just becomes a part of your life. So you can't get away from it. And that's how I feel about basketball. Um, it's really just always around, you know, even when I'm not trying, like when I try to get a break, basketball is always there. Um, so, I mean, I can't step away from it at this point. I'm in too deep. Okay, dope, dope. And yes, uh, thank you for joining the show. So we just want to hear a little bit about your experience as a, a women's basketball player. Um, w- walk us through like your experience as, as a college athlete. Did y'all go to the tournament? How was that experience for you? And then uh, talk to us a little bit over, about overseas, too. I think we hear about some men's leagues overseas, but some of our listeners might not even know that there is a women's league overseas. Right. So to start off, college was great. Um, you know, Duke, Best Blue, all that jazz. But <laughs> yes. um just looking at some of the like the comparable differences that we got compared to the men's team, it was, I mean, it wasn't wild because we were still fortunate enough to, you know, get what we needed and get the things that we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the guys had extra locker rooms. We had one, you know, we mm-hmm. had, um, I mean, just even like looking at some of the gear that we got. Yeah. I was always trying to steal their gear, you know, it just looked cooler. <laughs> yeah. um, not to say that ours wasn't, you know, ours was pretty dope too, but like. They got the know, swag. It, right. You know, it's, it's just the swag that they had. Um, and um, as far as like playing overseas, our season was stopped in November, unfortunately, due to COVID. But mm. what I thought was wild is that our men's counterparts were still playing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, if that's due to money or, you know, due to whatever it may be, but everybody was affected by COVID. Um, so for us to have our season stopped, I thought was, you know, just kind of out of pocket. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of brought up a little bit what we want to talk about today, like the inequality we see between men's and women's sports. Um, so I, I think for me, it, it has to do a little bit with sexism, um, especially seeing like um, I think one of the biggest things that stood out to me was like the WNBA bubble. I remember seeing this very vividly, like their their living quarters. They, I think they were on like the IMG Academy campus. Um, their living quarters looked crazy, like like definitely like unkept, just like there was like worms and stuff on the floor, like their their lunches were terrible. Um, but this isn't just um, specific to the WNBA, right? Like we see uh, like Women's March Madness, right? We just saw uh, there was, a, uh, I think, a young girl from Oregon. She showed like their weights compared, like they had them little rinky-dink uh, little dumbbells compared to like the men's having like this whole, all this equipment, squat racks and all of that. Um, even like the women's national team, uh, like the soccer team, they are, they're fighting for equal pay. So I I guess I just want you to talk about a little bit, um, how you've, how you've seen sexism, um, in sports, like in regards to, I guess, maybe how the men's and women's were treated and just how people kind of talk about women's sports in general. Yeah. Um, I'll start with the last part that you just touched on, uh, the way that people talk about women's sports in general, they think that, you know, oh, because, where women were either not as strong, not as athletic, or whatever the case they might bring up, which is completely false. Um, the the little weight rack that we had, or that the women's team had in the uh, NCAA bubble, was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They we've had teammates benching, you know, twice their body weight. There's no way yeah. we're going to be affected by that little brinky <laughs> dink uh, weight rack. Um, but I think it, it, it's crazy. Um, and in the NC2A, there's a big talk about revenue, mm. saying that you know women's teams don't bring in much money, this, that, and the other. But if you look at some of the numbers, like women's teams are pulling in a lot of numbers, especially this year. This year alone was wild because you know you have so many um, young, talented women mm-hmm. who are just playing at high level, you know, performing all the time. If you want to talk revenue, like our number one team was bringing in more than the 16 T team in the men's tournament. And they get, you know, so much more than what they got or what the women got. So I think that was kind of crazy. Um, I've been fortunate enough to never really experience, you know, blatant sexism within my sport, which is good because I think basketball isn't really a place for all of that Um, or anywhere really. Um, So, I mean, but if you want to talk about sexism, within what I've dealt with, just, you know, comparing the two teams at Duke. Um, I remember one practice I was upset because the guys were getting steak after practice. Oh, wow. We had, like, wow. you know, pasta or something, which I'm not mad at because our food was good, too. But, mm. like, you know, I want a steak or something. <laughs> um, I remember one time they had, like, Roots Chris come in, and I was like, come on, man. Wow. We had cereal that night. So I was just like, you know, it's little differences like that. Um, and, I mean – Sometimes the people treat the men's teams like they're gods. Mm-hmm. Mm. Our team is really good too. We're not having, you know, full stadiums or anything, but like we get a pretty decent crowd and we should be respected as as highly as the men's are. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think that that's a good point. Like you talk about um 
like, okay, y'all weren't bringing in full stadiums, but that has nothing to do about like how well y'all are playing. So why do you feel like people support women's teams in general, especially basketball, much less than uh, the men's game? One of the cases that I've been hearing for years is that women's basketball is just not exciting because, you know, there's no dunks um, or any type of stuff like that. But lately, you know, you've got women dunking in games. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what her name is, but the the young lady from Stanford, she's throwing it down, reverse dunks. I don't know if you guys have seen that, mm-hmm. but sis can ball, you know. Um, and just because we're not doing, you know, through the leg hoops, alley, you know, all of that other stuff doesn't mean that, our game is interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, we've had, you know, these many players who are passing like crazy, who are, you know, doing out, outstanding post moves. Just mm-hmm. because you don't find it interesting doesn't mean that it's not interesting. Absolutely. Women's basketball is very interesting. People just don't put in the effort to watch or try and learn. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing, right? Like I, I sat down, especially this week or last week, and watched all of the final four games and then the championship. And like, I was screaming, like I was live tweeting, like Ari McDonald gets buckets, boy. Like she gets <laughs> buckets. Uh, the South Carolina Stanford game came down to the last bucket. And then I seen people, I'm thinking like, oh, wow, this was such a great finale. Like the only game that I think that really tops that is maybe the championship game. And then uh, the UCLA and um, Gonzaga game, just because those were all down to the wire. But people, I get on Twitter and people um, are like, oh, uh, of course the women misses the layup at the end of the game. And I'm like, I know y'all be watching these same games when men are missing these same layups. They're missing dunks. They're missing, like, <laughs> wide open Second shots. Second is a thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so I guess I really just want to know, like, what do you, what would you say to people um, that look down on women's sports? Like, like, I don't know, like, because it, it, I, it, I don't even want to ask you to make a case for them to watch women's sports because they should. They should. And I, th- I, j- I guess I want us to talk about, and Scholar P, jump into, like, why you, why, how do you think sexism shows up if we even have to beg people to uh, sit down and watch women's sports? Sometimes I think that uh, a lot of people do it um, for the hype on social media. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They, they like just want to be a part of you know, the certain fad that goes to disrespecting women's sports, which I just think is so dumb in general. Um, and I, I think that they're a little uneducated. Um, we've been, we put in just as much work. We, we do basically the same thing men's teams do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're interesting. Like, I'm not, like you said, I don't need to really make a case. Yeah. Just watch a game. doesn't yeah. matter if it's basketball. doesn't matter if it's, you know, tennis, golf. We're exciting to watch too. Yeah. So, absolutely. And and to that point, to Tisha's point, I was I was really gonna try to ask you like, what are some what are some other things that people can do? So we're talking about um, watching more, um, but are there some other things that people don't know would also move the the cause of women's sports forward, right? And whether it's it's funding or some of or some of the actual treatment like you talked mm. about Ruth Chris and like versus cereal. And I'm just like, Kendall, you deserve steak. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like are there are there other things that people can do do? So we tell people to watch and are and what are some other things that people can do to like really move the conversation forward, to move the treatment forward, to move the structural issues issues with 
um, women's sports versus men's sports forward that, that folks might not know about? Um, I honestly, I think that watching the sport in general is really one of the biggest ways to help. Um, because by watching it, you know, you're getting the views up, you're getting, you know, more airtime, um, which really helps us for exposure purposes. Um, not just for, you know, college, um, if there's any high school games that are on ESPN, watch those, mm-hmm. uh, WNBA as well. Um, and I'm sure there's, I like, you know, bills and all types of petitions and stuff to sign to get women to get at least half of what men are getting. You know what I mean? Um, and anything I come across, I usually post on my story or I retweet it or whatever. So that's how I help. Yeah. Cause what I was going to say is that like watching probably is the most important. Cause then they can't have that, uh, that excuse like, Oh, the revenue was down. Right. Like that viewership mm-hmm. brings in that revenue. And I think that, yeah, it just, Maybe having some watch parties. I think we just have to be very vigilant. Like, I mean, on 2K, I even had like a little my my career, not my career, my franchise, and I had a WNBA team. But it's like, I'm from Las Vegas, so having Las Vegas having a team, like, that's live. Like, we got Liz Cambage and Asia Wilson. Like, I'm hooping. Um, so I think, yeah, just being real transparent about it. I think, like, talking about it. That's why I went to live tweet, like, yes, people watch. Like, I, I think, like, if I can just get one person excited to watch, too, I think that that's a big thing. But I, I think it's just super important for, like, people to really get invested in women's sports. Um, and I guess my last question has to go uh, around, like, um, WNBA salaries. Like, I, I want you to uh, just kind of talk about, like, the unequal pay and, like, how you feel about that. And, like, just ways that I guess we can change it. And even if we can't change it, I think it's important just to draw awareness. Because I saw this graphic, and I'll look at it. I'll read it out right now. It was Sue Bird. Um, versus LeBron James. It says 17 seasons in WNBA, 17 seasons in the NBA. Four WNBA championships, four NBA championships. 2020 salary was uh, $215,000. LeBron's, of course, was $37.44 million. Um, LeBron's bonus from the 2020 finals was actually even bigger than a Sue Bird's salary, her whole yearly salary. His uh, bonus was $370,000. Her bonus for winning was eleven, eleven thousand dollars and three hundred fifty, eleven thousand three hundred fifty six dollars. Seeing that, just like it, it, it shocks me, but it shouldn't be too shocking. Um, can you just speak to uh, like how do you feel? Yeah, I think that's actually so wild. The big differences between the two salaries. Um, it just goes to show that what, what people are paying attention to. Um, and I don't know if that includes like uh, all her other endorsements or anything mm. as well as LeBron, but um, that's what a lot of women have to do. They have to do a lot of endorsements, um, a lot of side hustles, you know, playing overseas is really, really a big one. Um, it really just helps, you know, women's pockets. Um, but the, the salary cap in the WBA is, it's not fun, you know. Um, I mean, I've never played in the WNBA, but I've, I've had friends talk about it. And they're just like, sometimes it's it's tough. Like, they love playing in the WNBA. It's it's, um, it's a very close-knit group, you know. There's not very many spots as to where the NBA, you have the NBA and the G League. Mm-hmm. We just have the mm-hmm. WNBA. So there's there's so much more money in the in the NBA. And I just think that becomes it comes from, you know, people watching it. Um, like I said, so like the more viewers we get, the more it's going to help their pockets. 
Okay. And I, I didn't even know that. So women play like almost two seasons in a year. So they play, they'll play like a WNBA season then the over, over like seas league. Yeah. So oh, wow. for those who play in the WNBA, they leave right after the season is finished and go straight to overseas. Um, and once overseas is finished, they, you know, probably have a, a little bit of downtime before they have to get ready for the upcoming WNBA season. So, uh, I mean, it's just constant basketball. And like I know y'all love basketball, but that's a lot. That's a lot, and it's hard on the body. It's hard on the body. Like I'm sure they would never expect LeBron to finish uh, the NBA season and go over to Quebec and hoop in a league, right? So yeah, because it would be too much on his body, and they know that. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, women. I think women. Some women are a lot stronger than. some women athletes are a lot stronger than male athletes um, just because, you know, our bodies are genetically um, prepared to handle tougher things, you know? Mm. Um, so that we also pay more attention to our bodies. So when our body starts talking to us, we're more likely to Listen. be like, mm, this ain't it, you know? Mm. Um, which is why Sue Bird and, and Diana Taurasi are playing well into their thirties. Yeah. Um, they take their breaks when needed. I feel that. See, goodness gracious, Kendall, this has been so great. Um, I, I, I actually do want to have uh, ask you one more question too. Um, in terms of you know thinking about the future generations of of women hoopers, um, could you just uh, briefly tell us like who who you're looking at? Obviously, you're, you're playing overseas, you're doing your thing. Um, and in terms of just uplifting um, other women and, and future generations of women, who should folks be having their eyes on um, in terms of the next generation of women ballers? I think that. All the teams who made it to the, the NC2A tournament should be um, – everybody should be looking at them. It doesn't matter where they stopped. Um, getting to the NC2A is just hard in itself. Mm-hmm. So I think all those women deserve as much praise and respect that is coming their way. Um, and I'm shamelessly going to plug some of my friends just because, you know, that's <laughs> hey. what I do. Um, Lexi Brown, so she's one of my all-time favorite people to ever play with. Um Great point guard, great person in general. So look for her. She's at Minnesota. Um, I have a friend, Jordan Canada. She plays in Seattle. She's great basketball player, phenomenal person as well. Um, she just signed with Jordan, so, you know, she's got big things coming up. Um, hey, let's go. Who else is in the WBA? I'm trying to think. I mean, I can go down the list, honestly, all day. Um, all my friends, anything that I post on my, like, IG story, anything I retweet on Twitter, make sure you're looking into all those friends because um, they're all doing, you know, big things, especially in in basketball. And, and and sort of, I guess, a follow-up to that is, are there, like, certain social media accounts that, like, because I started thinking about, like, uh, highlight reels and stuff like that that I see for all these different men's players and stuff like that. But, like, where can people go um, to, like, see not only current talent but that upcoming talent um, from a social media perspective? Um, anything with highlight her um, on uh, Instagram or Twitter they do a great job of covering things um, related to, you know, women's sports in general, not just basketball. Um, and then Overtime also has a good following. Um, there's another account on Instagram that I actually follow. And I think it's Women Hoopers. 
Um, and they cover everything from WBA, uh, those coming out of high school and in college, obviously, as well. Um, those are always great pages that, you know, keep everybody informed with what's going on. Awesome. And I would throw in, uh, I think I just started following ESPNW. Um, oh, yeah. And they have a lot of the same content. But yeah, I, I thought it was dope. I saw Overtime posting about like the the uh, women's March Madness. And I was like, that's what got me. I was like, oh, the game on. Let me turn it on. So yeah. I, I think stuff like that, just like you said, is super important when you know it's on and you know it's hot. You want to like join in and watch. And then you can you get so invested. I think that that's right. important. It's like finding that entry point. So Scholar P, I think that was such a great question. Yeah, absolutely. Cause, cause I, I, rem- I remember seeing like a lot of stuff with bleach. I follow bleacher report and like they're showing all this stuff all the time, but like even these conversations make me realize like what I don't see. Yeah. Right. Like when you're like, you know, when you're talking about like all the different cool passes that the women are doing and like the different ways in which they're engaging and being dynamic in the game, I'm just like, I feel like I don't really ever see these on bleacher unless it's like Never, a bro. national championship game and like the final seconds. Yeah. And it's like, huh. Yeah, bro. right. Actually, I have a beef with uh, Bleacher Report because they so they show live scores for almost every sport. They go through soccer, mm-hmm. they do international soccer, they do hockey, they do all this, all these different sports, but they don't have any live uh, score thing for um, women's basketball. Mm-hmm. Maybe WNBA, but definitely not uh, college basketball. And it's like y'all give me the D two game, but y'all won't give me like D one. Uh, like March Madness scores, like that's crazy. Um, right. so yeah, that's max disrespectful. I got, I got beef with them. I, they, there's like <laughs> a little thread, uh, in there. Like you can, there's like a little community, and I put it in the thread. I was like, anybody else hot about this? I got like 20 likes. I was like, yeah, we got to go up on them. <laughs> Basically, Bleacher Report, please, please do better. Please, please, we are begging you. <laughs> um, well, look, Kendall, we thank you so much for coming um, and blessing the people with this knowledge. Um, I know I've learned a lot, a Absolutely. lot just soaking up all this information from you today. Um, and uh, we, we know it's, it's getting late. We know that you that you got you, you got to train. We want you to get your rest. We want you to be a thing. Um, but. We also know that you got a lot of stuff going on and we want to give you a chance to plug uh, anything that you got going on. I know that you, you are a friend plugger as well, um, which I really appreciate because we got to support each other. Oh, um, so tell, let the people know what you got going on um, and how they can uh, support you and your brand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like I said, I've signed again in France. Um, anybody who follows me on Instagram, the link is in my bio to watch games. Um, they don't start to like September, October. So you got time to, you know, just chill out for a second. Um, and that's pretty much all I got going on for me. But I have a friend who does like a whole bunch of, she has a, a creating studio and she does, you know, photography and everything else. Um, her name is Barbara, but her studio's name is Charmant Studios. So, you know, if you ever need a photo, tap in with that. Um, and then anything I post, like I said, all my friends will be on my story. So anything that they do, I support hundred percent. So just look out for my stories. Bad, true. Bad. true. Kendall, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I look, I, I didn't get to see Kendall as much when we were in undergrad together because, because of the schedule of the athlete, but like, 
she she was just always known as a really cool down to earth person um and so i and you know when i when i reached out um she just she just had so much like love and light and was so positive about doing this and was so willing to do it um even though she has a busy schedule and she's doing her thing she's super successful and so just we we just want to say thank you again for taking the time because we know you didn't have to um and i'm we're excited to get these clips out to the people um because i think a lot of people are going to be blessed by this information too Yes, yeah, thank you thank so much. Thank you guys much. for having me again. It was really fun. I did enjoy myself. Hey, awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad. We're going to have to bring you back sometime. But thank you for joining Bruin Black. Again, just like Skylar P said, you dropped knowledge on us. The audience and our listeners oh. are really going to love it. Um, and I think it was just such an important topic. We have been talking about it amongst ourselves. We like we need to get an expert in here to really break it down and share their experience. So we just, we're so glad that you were able to. So thank you again. Of course. Okay. We'll see you I soon. Take Thank care. you. See ya. Wow, bro. Back oh at it again God. with another amazing guest. Wow. Oh, that, that that was that was it. That was it, man. Um yeah, just I, I, I love I love how, how we're giving it up, how we're giving it up and how our guests more importantly are giving it up. Um, cause I'm, I'm learning, I'm soaking in things every time. So, um, that was just a great conversation. And I, and I think that with every March madness coming to an end, um, I think it's from an equity structural standpoint, we have to have these conversations. Yeah. Um, cause there was so much I was unaware of that, like I learned and I, like, I'm going to hit her up and ask her to ask her more about those social media accounts. Um, and we're yeah. going to try to plug those two. Absolutely. Um, those will be yeah. in the timestamps and it'll be in the, uh, the description of the episode. Absolutely, absolutely, and we will share it on our Instagram. Matter of fact, oh, of course, of course, slight work, slight work. You know what I'm saying? Um, so as as we think about you know all all of her success and you know what she's doing it doing as a as a player, um, you, you know we we think about she talked about some of the the structural issues and the politics, and you know thankfully, um, she didn't have to go through as much of it um, all the time, but sometimes we, we do see that, you know, politics can in, impact people. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, this, this was a really good example of what's going on in sports and some of the leaders in our game. Um, but some, not every leader in our world of sports is doing the greatest right now. Um, not everyone has a, super positive light being shown on them right now. Mm. Um, and what, and one of those people who's sort of in the thick of it right now is the Deshaun Watson. So now for those of you who don't know, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, I'm calling him Deshaun, Deshaun <laughs> Watson um, is a quarterback for the Houston Texans uh, national football league team. Um, and he, he demanded a trade um, in, in February. Um, but and March 16th, uh, there was a uh, lawsuit filed against him. Um, and on March 23rd, uh, uh, what? So actually, hold on, let me let me sort of back up before I get into all the lawyer stuff. He was actually accused of um, sexual misconduct um, towards what? T 22 massage therapist. Yeah, I think it's, it's gotten up to 22 as of today or yesterday. Touche, touche. Um, and so he is sort of in the thick of thick of that. Um, so a, a few details uh, uh, surrounding that um, is that since then, he's sort of been defended 
um, by 18 massage, massage therapists. Um, and, and they talked about, I guess, his, his good character. Uh, most of these um, accusations are in the category of civil suits, um, but not criminal charges, even though um, allegedly one of the women made a police report. Um, and so now he's, he's in a very interesting situation because um, that's all that is around his brand. Um, he's had a good rep- personal reputation uh, thus far beforehand, um, but there are a lot of different elements to this. Mm-hmm. Um, T. Shaw, uh, what do you think about the situation? Yeah, bro. Like I, I'm glad we talked about this, and I, I think that I'm I'm glad that you're here on this conversation because this is kind of in in your 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 arena of your research, and I think that that's important. I really want to give you a chance to be able to talk about it. Um, but I, I think that it's a very sticky situation. And I think black men have a very hard time talking about sexual assault, um, knowing that there has been a history of this in our demise. Right. Um, we, we know that so many lynchings have occurred based on the um, the I guess the conversation of, of rape or sexual assault in itself, like people. Um, are automatically triggered to thinking of Emmett Till, who was lynched for uh, whistling at a, a, a white woman, right? Um, so I, I think that oftentimes we are put on guard anytime uh, a black male, often a, a black athlete, is accused of sexual assault or rape. Um, so that's why I definitely wanted to bring this to the to the uh, podcast because, again, what we are about is being better brothers. I think that that is a, a element of our our podcast um again it's like we're not talking down to anybody we are talking to each other right like this is a community thing if we haven't held these views before maybe we still do hold these views um but i I, i've seen a lot of people talking about how they feel like deshaun watson is being set up is because he demanded a trade um that i think they look at the timeline okay he was demanded a trade in there in february and then early uh, March, the the lawyer files a suit. And then I think it becomes sticky because it's like he files, he takes it very public. He takes it on Instagram first and then files the civil suit. And then all of this has been in the civil arena rather than the criminal arena. The police hadn't been involved until very, very recently. Um, and then they, a lot of people point out that there has been 18 women that come forward to say in his defense, like, Hey, no, like he's, has outstanding character but i think that doesn't really nullify these 22 people and i i think just overall like 22 plus 18 that's about 50 40 i can't really math yeah, 40 right people. now yeah, no, 40, 40 yeah. people. so like i think it is odd that this man is getting so many massages from so many different people so i i think that it's just it it's an uncomfortable situation and i don't really know how to talk about it I do believe that we should believe survivors and people that have been victimized. But uh, Scholar P, would you be able to just kind of inform us on like uh, how we should be approaching this as this story unfolds, uh, as we're like consuming some of this media? Absolutely. So, so for, first of first of all, like you were alluding to before, um, sometimes when you know black men and and even and even you know black communities hear rape rape allegations we think about our our lost son so mm-hmm. a lot of people know about Emmett Till a lot of people know about the exonerated five they're the Scott Scottsboro boys um there's there's uh Katie Robbed who uh who was um at a university and she lied 
about being uh, kidnapped and raped by four black men when when and the and the police knew based on her report that she was probably lying, but they still circulated that narrative. Wow. Um, there have been multiple cases of white people blaming black men for crimes when the black men wasn't even around. Uh, so so there's there's that type of history. So black men are not only used to being falsely accused of sexual violence, um, but they're but we're also used to being uh, falsely persecuted and punished for it uh, literally with our whole lives, whether yeah. it's our physical lives and we die or it's our reputation that dies. Right. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of doubt that, that can, that can come, come in that situation. And mind you, none of those, none of those people that I mentioned who were, who are falsely accused of sexual violence were rich. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. when you have a multimillionaire, right. Um, who is accused of sexual violence and you see that like, criminal the there's there's a lot of civil suits but there's not as many uh criminal cases um it it starts to make doubt arise in people's minds so Mm -hmm. you know not only are black men attacked but now you're attaching attacking rich black men to to get a paycheck and so that's one part of of the narrative and even the young woman who who was crying right we we talk about tears being weaponized um and and we and we start thinking about about well you know, what, what would the situation be if, if Deshaun was white? Right. And so Mm. that's, that's one part of it. The other part of it is that like you, like you brilliantly alluded to is that we can't just dismiss survivors. We can't dismiss 22 people coming up out of nowhere. We can't dismiss the fact that there are a lot of black men who are successful, who have gone against the NFL, who haven't been accused of sexual violence. Um, when Colin Kaepernick went head on against the NFL, not really, but it, but the NFL went head on against Colin Kaepernick just for kneeling. You know, mm-hmm. there weren't 25,000 rape allegations coming out against Colin Kaepernick. And so, and so you have to wonder about those things. You have to worry about that woman's experiences who, who was, who was crying. We have to, we have to think about why are there so many massage therapists in your life? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it's one thing for one to come, but 22, 22. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I guess, but it's like, you know, if, if one person accused you, then like, you should never be accused of it. Again, like yeah. you should do everything you can to stray away. I don't, I don't even want massages no more, honestly. I mean, I mean, or, or, or shoot, I, not, not by, not by women. Like just like, yeah, I, like I, I'm, I, I'm getting the team physician or something like. Right, right. And, and everything is going to be recorded yeah. and, and all of that. So there, there are two uh, very, very deep sides. And, you know, like Tisha was saying, we're not here to. Uh, you know, say someone's innocent, someone's guilty. Um, we're just here to to describe why people have these particular reactions and give the historical context around it, right? And so, um, there there are a lot of brothers who get falsely uh, accused uh, of sexual violence. Um, but then there there are men, and not just black men, because um, there what Ben Roethlisberger has been accused of rape multiple times. Yeah. Right. Um, violent sexual violence is uh, a men's a men's issue. Mm-hmm. But when a black man is being accused, we have to understand the historical context about how, you know, I, I'm I'm a PhD, I'm a PhD student. I don't bother nobody, but I have the fear that I could be falsely accused of, of doing not only just rape, but a crime yeah. and not 
and, and all it takes is for a police officer to say, oh, I think that's him mm-hmm. or or a random person to be like, oh, that's the oh, that's that black man who committed a crime and my life could be over. Mm-hmm. And so we and so these things are uh, are things that we take into context when we hear about rape allegations. And it's unfortunate. But once again, white supremacy in the way in which black men have been targeted um you know, that's the ramifications that America has to deal with. And so now when a rape allegation is made, maybe if America didn't spend so much time criminalizing black men and, and criminalizing black men who didn't do a crime. Yeah. And characterizing them as rapists. Right. Right. Then, yeah. then, then maybe there wouldn't be a pro- problem and maybe we could look at rape allegations in a more objective way, but that's not, but America has to know that that's not the reality. Yeah. Um, but w- with that being said, if if Deshaun Watson did indeed do this, you know, we 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 hold him accountable and he has to, you know, uh, you know, pay pay with the consequences in terms of his reputation, his his money and maybe even um, maybe even some type of, uh, you know, legal legal law enforcement based punishment. Yeah. But um, it, it's just an interesting situation uh, We're you know, we'll, we'll continue to watch it yeah. and, and see what comes of it. Um, but I think that it's never really about the the celebrities that, that we talk about. It's about the stories mm-hmm. that impact so many people. Um, and so when, and so when people are doubting rape allegations, especially people within the black community, we have to understand why it's, it's, it's not, it's not that black people support rapists. It's not that black men support rapists. It's, it's, we're used to being targeted, killed, killed, falsely accused reputations tarnished and sometimes we've never even seen the people who've accused us and so we can't forget those types of details especially when money is is involved um and in that same vein we're also gonna hold deshaun watson accountable um if he did actually indeed do this and so Mm. um just just we want you to leave leave this conversation with an understanding of why people have certain perspectives and not to vilify anyone who happens to support Deshaun Watson or or the survivors yeah. or, or the alleged survivors uh, of those of that sexual misconduct. Right. We don't know yeah. and we can't know. We will never fully know. But we have to see how the case the, this case these cases unravel. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just like you said, I think it's keeping an open mind to all the facts and details as they continue to come out. Um, and, and just continue to observe it. Um, but I think it's important not to um, immediately write people off as um, as like liars and different things like right. that, because it, there, there is a history. We have to be able to take some of these allegations seriously, especially when it's 22 people like that's a lot. That's it's a lot. lot. Um, and I think that it, I, I, I hope that Deshaun Watson has not been. Uh, guilty of these things um i hope that it is something politically like kind of engaged right like something with him and the texans but I, we, we will never be really sure and i think it is important to still be able to hold him accountable in the meantime um i hope that he has been able to take a step away from football and to handle these allegations and to to find out what's really going on but um at Bruin black we take sexual assault allegations serious um, but I think it's, again, just like Sarah P said, important to really bring some context to the conversation. Um, but I think it's also important for us to address it, too. I think it's been going on for a while. And I think um, this is one of the better places to get updates and get real information um, that is rooted in not only like um, academia, but something some type of care for women, too. 
So right. yeah, uh, we we just want y'all to stay on deck with it and to continue to pay attention. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's 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 a tough it's a tough um up situation. Um, and and obviously, you know, whatever's been happening, it seems like you know boundaries um have have been crossed in some way, shape, or form form in, in the and the question is to what extent, right? And so, um, hopefully. You know, we, we, we send, we send out our good energy just to the whole situation. And cause we want justice to be served, Absolutely. right. The pursuit of justice, regardless of whether that means Deshaun is uh, innocent or guilty. We, we just want justice to be served because um, that that's, that's, that's what our society and that's is what we as humans should demand. Um, but in terms of speaking about boundaries, um, <laughs> T, 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 recently, um, you know, there, there was someone who posted a picture of himself and a young lady who he claims is his friend. And he said, let's normalize friendship dates. Mm -hmm. All right. Friendship dates. Now that's a beautiful thing. We, we, we love normalizing friendship dates, I guess, but here's the thing, right? He was, he, they, they were dressed up. They were playful. They were around each other's neck. They had, they had the hands on like slightly, but not all the way on the lower back. Yeah. It was the uh, hover hand. Yeah. It was the, yeah. The hover hand. And, and so a lot of people, this has been blowing up on social media a lot because people, um, you know, are asking themselves, Hey, can I have, can you have that close of a relationship with your, with your friend and the, and should you be getting dressed up? and calling it a friendship date and be draped on each other like that and be sharing it on social media and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, and I, a lot of people before I, before I even get into my own perspective, cause I want to hear yours first. A lot of people have been saying, yes, yes, you can. And if you don't, and if you can't see why this is completely fine and you're a weirdo, you're insecure and, and this, that, and the third. So I, you know, I, I definitely want to dive more into that, but T Shaw, tell me what, what your thoughts on this are. Can people have friendship dates? Absolutely. I, and I'm a down that hill as somebody that has had friendship dates. That's never really what I've called it, but like me and Elda like have a best friend anniversary. Like, there's a we we met on a specific day and I don't think we ever really knew that, but we were on Instagram and we were tagged in this picture. and was like, oh, this is that day we almost got hit by a car. <laughs> and we had all went to. So it was like we went to it was a BSO like volunteer, um, like feed the homeless and um, like give them just like donate, donate some things and just like help them out. So we were there for um, maybe like two or three hours and we almost got hit crossing the street and it was just like a memory. And it's like I used to see Elda everywhere after that. And then we became real cool with my roommate. So we were like, well, I guess people were weird about roommate. Housemate, we didn't share a room. Uh, but, like, yeah, that's my housemate for, like, four or five years. And that's my motherfucking dog, nigga. Like, so every year, what is it, maybe October 17th, um, we have, like, a little best friend anniversary. So it's like. We, uh, the first time we moved to LA, we went to, um, it was a Mick Jenkins concert. Uh, it was like a pop-up concert. He dropped like, I think it was super exclusive. It was like 50 tickets and it was like first come first serve. And I think they were like maybe $10, something super cheap, but it's an artist that we really both fuck with. 
Um, we met him and we were like some of the only black people there. So he was hella fucking with us and we were just talking to him and shit. Uh, we didn't really get dressed up, but we we was like kind of spiffy. Like we wasn't like, I don't know. We on wasn't me. bummy. Yeah, yeah. Like, on me, on me. Um, for, uh, we went to a Laker game together. Like she was a Laker fan. I'm a Cavs fan. Go land. You feel me? LeBron was playing. Like it was a cool gift. We did that. Um, and then the last friend, like our last best friend anniversary, uh, right before she moved, cause it was right before she was moved from LA. We just like had like a cool little day together. We got some food, did some yoga, uh, day drank, chilled at the beach. Like it was just vibes. So I think that like, and we posted some of that on Instagram and I think that I, the people have been weird about it. Like I, I even know that like there's been people when I've been in a relationship that have been weird about it. Like, my ex, like, she was very insecure about it initially. And then she met Elda. And then it was like, oh, I guess this is okay. But I feel like people that are insecure about it don't have, um, and I'm not going to say all of them, but I feel like a lot of people, this is an example that a lot of people don't have healthy platonic relationships. But I think growing up in a women-led household, in a woman-dominant household, I've always, like, been pretty, like, I always had a like a woman friend. Like I've always had like women that have been close to me. Like, don't get me wrong. I've had like male friends too, but I've always had like one woman that I definitely could go to. And I feel like that is the cheat code to life. My nigga. Like, I feel like I really be body and shit. I feel like I have emotional intelligence because I have cultivated healthy relationships with women. You've even asked me about it. Like shout out to Saturn, uh, Noma Mason, like Alex, uh, I mean, that's my girlfriend now, but like I, it was a healthy relationship and it was never like boundaries crossed. And if boundaries were to be pushed, like they were, they were clearly stated. It's like, I guess, it, I guess it's really just how you look at your relationship. Like me and Elder have always had boundaries. Like we don't cuddle or nothing. Like I feel like people that cuddle their best friend, like, I don't know if that's really your best friend, like shit like that. You feel me? Like there's clear boundaries. That we have, and it's like they're never really been crossed, and it's like that's been my niggas since young. Absolutely. So I, I think that I'm very, I'm always very surprised when people, you know, post things like this just because of the reactions, right? Because mm. I, I don't think that as a community we know how to talk to one another. I think that it's a uh, you either think exactly how I think, or like you're this. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and vice versa. So like. The conversations I've been seeing around about it is like, if you have any issue with any aspect of this, you're just an insecure bum. Like you don't <laughs> trust anybody. You're a horrible person. You you don't love yourself. And it's like, all right, people, let's 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 slow it down. There's there's context <laughs> said, here. Okay? Whoa, whoa, now you got too much dip on your chip. Yeah, because now let 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 me be the first to say I've been in all I've been in it, almost every scenario you can think of. I've been <laughs> I've had I've had exes who've had, you know, relationships with with friends who like it made me uncomfortable because like, you know, they were maybe around all the time. Yeah. And and I was just like, oh, like, OK, Absolutely. I've had that same thing. I've had that same thing. But it's like I, I think it's, it's really watching how they interact with each other. I think that that's important. Right, right. I, now, I've also been the guy who was a good friend, and I did care about that person, but I didn't mind crossing boundaries. Mm. Um, and it was sort of so one of those things. Scandalous. <laughs> I, I look, I've, I, but like, I, like, it, it, and I'll and I'll say I'll say this for me, you know, I'm not, I'm good at having 
women friends. What I'm not good at is having a group of friends, which includes women and not testing the waters with somebody. Um, that's, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that. As I, as I reflect and I think about the days of my life, um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I realize that, you know, it's a crazy situation because not like 90% of the 90% of my friend groups, there's been at least one person that I've tested the waters out with on a romantic level, uh, at some point in some way, shape or form. Doesn't mean that we always slept together, Mm. um, or anything like that. But, but it does mean that like, Hey, like, uh, like it's there, there was, there was something there. So like, it wasn't just a friendship. It was like a friend da 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 da. But like, even those situations, those were usually not super public and whatever. Mm. Um, so I, but also I have a lot of women friends who like, I don't want nothing from like, honestly, like if, if they wanted me right now, if they were like, yo, Ashley come through so we can have a romantic, I'd be like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Love. Enjoy that. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want that from you. Yeah. Cause like, I appreciate you. But I think, I think my thing too is um, there's only so many women that like, I would have that type of relationship that you talk about where it's just like, Oh, I hang out. I would hang out with you one-on-one. I love hanging out with people in groups, but like mm. usually with my, a lot of, a lot of my platonic women friends, there's maybe like two or three period that I haven't done anything romantic with ever that I would also hang out with mm. like just one-on-one, no cameras, no, no nothing. And, and then would I post that on my social media? Cause like, I know that even with friends that I only see every now and again, I post stuff on my social media and people are like, Ooh, Ashton, are you talking to her? You did. Mm. It's like, nah, like, so I think that there, there are just a lot of different elements to this, right? Like do is, is a friendship with someone. Okay. Yeah. Right. Is a friendship with someone. Uh, okay. When, when y'all are posting it on social media, sure. Is it okay when y'all are draped on each other? Sure. Is it okay when they're dressed, when y'all both dress snazzy? Sure. But you can see with all the different levels that at some point, depending on what the scenario is and what the context is, someone might feel a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, That woman is single. Is her man jealous if like one of those levels makes him feel uncomfortable? I I guess it depends, but I, I don't think that it's, it's cool to say like, oh, if if you have a problem with any of this ever, you're just a bomb. You're just insecure, bro. <laughs> yeah, you're just I insecure, you. sis. I, I, I think that <laughs> I we got to slow it. We got to slow it down. Like it, it's I, I, I think that you don't you don't judge people who can have that type of relationship. But at the same time, I think that what we what we also have to deal with is not only that. Cause there, cause I've seen men and women not be, be okay with this. And I've seen men and women also, also be okay with this. <clears throat> and what we have to ask ourselves, cause I think this is a bigger conversation. We as men, and I, and I say we as men, because I feel like we're a little bit more likely mm-hmm. uh, to, to, you know, really cross that boundary. But like, I think this is more of a societal issue because do women really, cause I'm, I've seen women say a lot of my guys, guy friends, only want to have sex with me like mm. and they're and they're going to try i've yeah. seen some women and say hey look like there a lot of my guy friends want to sleep with me and like it's not 
It's not strictly like it's platonic because I want it to be platonic and they don't cross that boundary, not because they don't want to cross that boundary. Um, and so I've settled for that. And like, those are just the people I have around me. Um, (laughs) okay. Okay. What I was going to say is, cause I have a question. Cause I feel like it, it might have more to say about like, not particularly you, but just like the people, how they feel. Right. So you said that you're usually one to shoot shots. So would it be fair to say that because you're like that, you make that assumption of other people and that's why you could feel that way? Uh, yeah. Um, and, but before I was shooting shots and being scandalous, um, I've had, I've had friends of my exes when we were dating blatantly try to be disrespectful, Mm. um, blatantly ask them out on dates, Mm. blatantly try to talk to me, threaten to talk to me crazy. Um, and so for me, there's already an energy of like, I've, I've like, and this is why context matters, right? Like, you know, I'm, I'm not used to a lot of people being around someone and not having intentions. Like I I would say, I would say all of my, all the women in my life are attracted to me, have been, have been attracted to me. They are also attracted to other people and people who wanted to be around them and have, and had crazy intentions. I had one ex who got hit on by her professor Mm. and that's supposed to be a professional relationship. Right. So for something as casual as a friendship, you know what I'm saying? I, like you, you might not, you might not trust everything. And like, we, I think we have to deal with the idea that like, sometimes it's not people, people being insecure. It's the fact that a lot of these people there, it's the fact that there are a lot of us, especially as men who don't have those healthy relationships and who are constantly shooting shots. And, and thus a lot of people in society are not mad at the friend uh, at a friendship because they, they think it's not possible. They're mad at a friendship because they haven't been they haven't been given a fair chance to have a platonic one yeah. that didn't have some ulterior motives. Yeah. I've lost friendships with women because I got too caught up in wanting it to be something more mm. and feeling like, all right, I'm, I got to play. I, I, I as, as long as if I stick around long enough, I'm going to do it. And like that hurt me mentally because, you know, the boundaries weren't set. Yeah. Right. And so for me, I do have platonic women friends that I, I can hang out with one on one. Um but is it my norm? No. Like I don't mm. hang out with like I'm like me, and you were really close. I, I don't hang out with with too many people one on one. I usually yeah. do group settings. Yeah, or I, I do like. dates. So it's like I it, so for me, you, you there's 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 a thing about what closeness looks like. Mm. There are a lot of women friends that I'm I would consider myself super close with that I would do anything for, but like you wouldn't the hang way out in which one on one. Like there, there are a few I would hang out with one-on-one or if I see them, like I would talk, mm. you know what I'm saying? But like any of my women friends would like, would I do something as extravagant as that? Probably not because that's not my vibe, but it's, yeah. but I don't have a problem with people who, who do it. I just think that it's, I think respect should be granted on both sides because this is really just a preference thing. Yeah. It's like, if, if that worked like T you're great at having a lot of platonic relationships with, with women and like you and, and like you actually care about your partner. So you're not going to do anything to jeopardize that mm-hmm. your partner is a secure woman. So like y'all, y'all, that's great for y'all. That dynamic might be something different with somebody, somebody else. Yeah. Right. Like I get that. let's, if that man has a girlfriend and he's cheated 20 times, maybe oh, yeah. his girlfriend isn't okay. Absolutely. And, absolutely. I think that's, that's great context. And I would say it, it comes down to communication too, though. 
right? Like, right. I think that if I were doing anything that made my girlfriend uncomfortable, I would hope, I, w- I could only hope that she would be confident enough to talk to me about it. I would hope that we've established a relationship where she could come to me and be like, hey, this makes me uncomfortable. So I think that creating, again, healthy relationships, whether it be platonic or romantic, is one, based on communication and based on boundaries. If you say, like, hey, you with you a girl, right, and you like, hey, look, that would make me uncomfortable, and y'all have a conversation about it, like, I don't know if y'all have to particularly agree, but y'all have to be able to respect one another's views. And I, I, I hear what you're saying, because it's like not coming at people and be like, damn, you just hella, you, you insecure as hell. Because insecurities is a real thing. I think that that's a real thing. And I like, I've learned that through my relationships, right? But it's like being able to communicate like, hey, this makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So I don't know if we need to set some more boundaries here. I don't know if you need to talk to do. I don't know. Cause I can't, I'm not, my thing is too, is like, I'm not going to control your life. Cause if I feel that way, then I'm going to just break up with you. <laughs> I think right. that that's my thing. Um, but I, I think the two looking at this, like this isn't just a regular friendship. I don't think this is just some regular schmegular, like, Oh, Oh girl from down the block. We knew, I knew her for about a few months. Like, no, this, this seems like kind of on some best friend shit. And I, I, I get what you mean. It's like, you wouldn't really be posting it just on some like, I don't know, I guess just like just randomly. But I I've, I know people have seen me and Elda in the same pictures, right? Like uh like I don't know if we've really been like all up on each other like that, but like we we might be like buddied up, like really <laughs> arm around the shoulder. And, and and what I was gonna say about you and Elda's relationship and even some of the other men, women that, that you mentioned is that there's not there's not that type of romantic history there to begin with. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a big thing too. Cause yeah. I've also seen some of those same people who were, who I was watching conversations with be like, well, even if they had slept together and my man wants to go and sleep on the same bed as, as the girl late at night, I wouldn't be insecure. And it's just like, yes. okay, but like, that's, See, that's no, a lot. So no. like the insecurity, the insecurity conversation, everyone has their limit. Absolutely. Oh, I was making out with, with, with <laughs> your partner's making out with, with his ex. Well, I, I'm not insecure about that. I know who I am. All right. But like, yeah. there's, there's, I think there are levels in context. I think that, people have to do a better job of not categorizing you just because something is not your preference. Mm-hmm. You like blackberries. I like raspberries. Like, are you, are you a horrible person because you like raspberries? No, it's just your, it's just your thing. So like, I, I, I think that for me, if I was in that type of situation and I saw it and that was my partner, it would, it would just depend on what the context is, but there's, there's infinite context. And so like, yeah. I'd have to, I'd, I'd have to know that because I've been on the side of thinking there was something going on and there absolutely wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I've offended my ex and one of my, and one, a good friend. So like I've done that stuff before for two. So I've really mm-hmm. been on all sides of it. And I'm telling you context matters, context matters. So like gives each other um, so, some grace. Yeah. But, case by case scenario. I think that, yeah, j- just, you can't make Vast generalizations. You can't be like, oh, you insecure as hell or, oh, y'all need to break up. Like, y'all got to drop y'all girl if y'all partner like this. Yeah, context matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it, just, just you know, it, just real quickly in terms of speaking, speaking to people with care and handling things with care, um, <laughs> we were talking about something because a lot of these conversations and a lot of the judgment that happened was, was online. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we recently this week, um, Michael Rappaport, famous actor and comedian, had a back and forth with, excuse me, um, Brooklyn Nets star Kevin Durant. And, you know, the information was shared. 
publicly. Um, and the screenshots had, you know, he was quote unquote homophobic slurs mm-hmm. and things like that, which I think can, it can sort of be not that, not that the language is excused, but uh, I don't think it was done. I mean, the impact is, is definitely what the impact was. Yeah. Um, the intention wasn't there. It doesn't mean that the impact wasn't. Um, but, but I think just really quickly, and I, w- I want to get your thoughts on this too, T. Shaw. Um, I think the bigger conversation y'all is, you know, Michael, you know, people say, you know, you're a snitch for doing that. Kevin Durant did mention like he mentioned his wife. He didn't threaten his wife or anything like that. But Kevin Durant did mention his wife. So Michael Rappaport might have felt justified in sharing and going and, nu- and you know, basically throwing the nukes out. But I think the bigger conversation is, y'all, look, when we're handling each other online, when we're having these online conversations and debates. And that's and this is part of the reason I don't even really like to have too many co- public conversations um, in public debates online. Uh, cause I'm, I'm, a am going to either hit you up on the side or we're going to talk face to face because y'all, this is evidence KD, you know, you've been known to come at everybody, mm-hmm. I, I, everybody online. And I think that yes, the reporter shouldn't be shelling and, and a media guy shouldn't be sharing your stuff because that's going to destroy his future relationships. But like, Y'all don't make threats on people. This said the same thing happened with Southside and Lil Uzi Vert. Mm-hmm. Like, like y'all quit making threats to people on your Instagrams, Very on your publicly. Instagram lives, yeah. your Facebook messages. Like, quit doing that. If you have an issue with somebody, maybe call them, maybe DM them, but don't DM them anything crazy. Yeah. And if you really bought that life, like, what's that line? Real G's moving silence like lasagna. lasagna. Like, if you really bought that life, you wouldn't be about all that talking. Like, no, you pull up. Yeah. Like, I, like I'm not a street man. I'm not a street man at all. But I guarantee you this. If I wanted you, if I wanted you touched, I, I could, I would probably get away with it because I would know not to make any threats. I, I'd, I'd set up I'd set up the assassination and then be at your funeral crime. That's how you do it. <laughs> I was screaming. That, that's how that you boy do it. Cancer. I would donate something. I would donate to your funeral just to be petty. Um, you, you know what I'm saying? Mama. Like <laughs> people not and not to say that here we, we don't condone violence here at Broom Black, but what but what we do condone is protecting your your righteous black mind. Brothers and sisters, brothers and, and sisters, what what you gotta understand is that. You are going to get prosecuted by police. Your brand is going to get ruined for something you're not even going to do. Do you realize that mm. you are really about to throw your whole career away and maybe get incarcerated for making a rant that the cops are going to go, go back and the prosecutor is going to go back on and look at and use as evidence. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're not, if you're not really going to go out and do it, you know, take, find, find a way to release your anger that doesn't let the whole world know you beefing that someone can't screenshot. And, and I think that's the danger, danger of social media. Sometimes not everything is meant to be expressed in a traceable way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I would also say like social media has, um, social media has skewed the way that people just talk to each other in general. I feel like people Absolutely. that aren't about that life really find some type of courage behind like these screens. And I, I think that it doesn't even have to be to the point where they're threatening each other. But just like you said, like in on like these Facebook chats or like these groups and on these Twitter threads, it's like the way that people say things like I, the, the tweet that went uh, viral was like, if your partner is like this with their friend, just move on with your life. And then 
there pure, there's people in there clapping back to each other like, oh, you really hella dumb if you're doing this or no, you just insecure as hell. Like y'all, y'all are never going to find love. Like we, we talk to each other so rudely. I like I even saw this video and this girl was just talking about or no, it was a tweet. And this girl was just saying like, like, I, honestly, I'm I'm a cheap date. Like I, I don't mind like just kind of like I would love if somebody just pull up on me. Uh, we can get ice cream and just be in a car talking and chatting. And uh, there was a bunch of women in her DMs, like other black women, because this was a black woman. There was other black women in there, like, oh, okay, good luck, pick me. Uh, uh, what what they say? Oh, um, well, not me. I want a steak. Uh, oh, just kind of really on her head, like, oh, uh, just like talking about talking down to her. And I think that like. There was an, another lady in the video just saying, like, we don't have to do this. Like, if that's not your preference, that's not your preference. But, like, why why did you have to bash her? Because she was like, I, I like I maybe I don't feel like that anymore because I'm 25 and I've had other dates and different things like that. But she was like, at some point I was like that. I was in an abusive relationship and I just got out of it and I was just looking for uh just genuine connection and like that meant that meant so much to me when somebody could just pull up they didn't want anything from me they wasn't trying to fuck on me they just wanted to have genuine conversation and like that makes some people happy and i i think that that's just an example of how far we have gotten into social media and not being able to see each other as a like as people i think even on people's like post sometimes like even when you disagree there's times people disagree with things that like I say or things that other people say and instead of like hitting me in a dm or just like even like responding to the to to my thing like hey like maybe you should look into this it's like having these conversations with care they're just on there flexing and clapping back like oh y'all you clearly ain't read uh wretched of the earth by friends for none oh you a dummy you just a capitalist and that's not nothing somebody said to me but I think that's the language that we are starting to use with each other. And it's like, we're not having conversations with care. So we're not, we're never, it's never a dialogue. It's just like, imagine two people yelling at each other from across the world <laughs> and no one's listening. Like it's arguments that, but it's arguments, not conversations. I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it, it becomes this thing where people sometimes in a, that happens in academia, people try to like one up each other yeah. and try to prove their intelligence. Um, I think about that with your example, but then like, even with the dating example, yeah. Like, like in context matters. Right. So yeah. like if, if you as a, if, if you're going out and spending three, $400 on, on dates, dates and the women, and then you find out the women are using you, using you for that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You might, you might be cool with taking someone to the beach and talking to them and getting to know them. Cause I think that like yeah. that, like men don't want to be used either. And like, like w- w- women use men too. We use each Absolutely. other. Right. So just like the guy might want to invite you to his house. So he, so he can like try to try to have sex with you. Some women, there's little threads about women going out on dates just because just they're for hungry. for the free food, yeah, absolutely. Right, so, I, and, and like you said, people ignore, they ignore context and they prioritize um, everyone having to have their preference in mm-hmm. order to be a valid a valid perspective. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's, what are you talking about? Like, we just got different histories, yeah. right? And And that's okay. Like, you don't have to think about the world the way I think about it because we have infinitely different contexts and histories and we're going to have uh, a different contemporary sense and we're going to have infinitely different futures. And so that's okay. Honestly, honestly, T, like I saw, I saw another post about like, yo, if, if my partner 
is ever around someone who liked them, likes them, they've had sex with like, that's, that's not okay with me. And for some people, it's not okay, okay for them. And for some people it is, and it, and it shouldn't be this conversation of, oh, you're naive or, oh, you're just insecure. It's like, no, it's just your preference. What you prefer has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with me unless I'm trying to be one of your preferences. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I know I'm not taking any woman out for a $300 steak on the first date because, because I get, because I'm able to have quality relationships with women without doing that. And then I, and then I give them the world after, after, after mm-hmm. that, like me and my ex, we didn't, we didn't start off with $300 steaks. We started off talking about social justice issues. Yeah. And then I was taking her to Rihanna concerts and, and, and doing all, all these things because that was, that was our thing. And it yeah. worked for me. Mm-hmm. So like, you don't get to tell any woman that she can't chill with a guy in, in that sense. And, and, and someone else can't shame you for only wanting to date someone who will take you out for the $300 steak. If that's your preferences, yeah. boo-boo, just, just find your audience. On me. On me. <laughs> this is like a business, baby. You got to find your audience. You got to find the people who suits your brand, yeah. but like, I don't care who suits other people's brand. Yeah. See, I might never have had the type of platonic relate the, the type of relationships to the extent that you have with other women, but I, I love how it works for you. Mm-hmm. I love how it works for you. And I don't think you, I don't think you judge me for the type of relationships I, I have a woman, you know what not I'm saying? I still have platonic friends. I just don't hang out. I just might not hang out with them in that same way, yeah. but I, I might love them the same way. Yeah. I might have love for them. I might come through with, for them when, when times are important and, and it just looks different for so many people. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And, and I think just like you said, instead of judging, even if you do have a major concern, I think like there is a level of mind in your business. If it's not harming nobody, then like, right. If it's a preference, it's a preference. But if you do feel like, really called or moved to chime in and drop your two funky cents. Like at least have that conversation with love and care. Like if I felt right. like if you came to me and T you was like, man, y'all, y'all relationship been good. And you like, man, I found out that her friend, uh, they dated in 2003 in middle school. I don't want to drop her. I would be like, bro, okay, let's sit down to talk about this. And we could talk it out, right? Like, but I, I think that so many of the times, like, some people would be like, oh, you insecure, bro. You, you go under a bridge and die. Like, I just feel like that's how conversations <laughs> are had, bro. And it's like, y'all, I think people are not really solutions based. People aren't ever trying to, like, resolve or mitigate anything. They're just trying to, like, flex a lot of the time and i think that that's where it really rubs me the wrong way and it's like everyone wants to be like captain social justice or captain i got the best views and it's like just like you said like something something floats like for me that won't float for you and it's like just fine get in where you fit in right absolutely and 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 i think i i think and this this would be one of the last things i say about it but like I, I think that you, you made a great point about pe- how people come come at each other and like they're trying to be captain social justice. But like the issue with the issue with these types of conversations is that if I say something on social media and then you respond trying to show me a point of view, baby boy, baby girl, like I didn't ask for it. <laughs> I didn't ask for it. <laughs> you're great. giving me unsolicited. You're giving me unsolicited information yeah. about your perspective that I didn't ask for and you're doing that in the attempt that I change my mind or you're doing it to just attack me. Both are going to make me defensive. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to not only shut you out, even if you have a good message, 
but I'm also going to come back and attack you. And that's how the cycle of social media violence continues. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, y'all handle each other with more care. This is ridiculous. Um, and, and like, and, and like, like T brilliantly said, if you do feel inclined to speak out, think about how you would want to be approached. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then maybe even tweak it after you think about it, because maybe you, you want to be approached aggressively. Yeah. Y'all don't come, don't come at me aggressively. Cause I, I don't, I, it won't, it won't be well, well received. I'm a cancer. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. So, so just t- tweak it when you need to tweak it. Yeah. Um, I will also just say real quick that like, I think because we're online tone is hard to read. So mm-hmm. you, people often assume the worst. So like when you're writing some, yeah, just, just like you said, reread it twice. Even if, if it sound okay to you, make it a little softer. Think about your audience. Like if you really mean this message, you really want them to understand, then you got to come with your best uh, intentions. Cause people, it's hard, it's hard to read. Like maybe throw a LOL in there maybe an emoji. Like, I don't know, read the room, like you figure out how to really get your message to the person you're saying saying it to absolutely absolutely um and and so with, with that that being said i know there's there's been a lot of talk about you know people not handling each other with care but there's there's organizations have actually stepped up and and handled situations with care and i'm very proud of not only organizations but but of people and so um you know that at the beginning of the, of the show we did did our light roast where we criticize people but we also try to end it on a positive note and give a spotlight to people um and, and things and institutions that are doing positive things in the community so just real briefly we want to give uh, a shout out to um, Major League Baseball, they moved the, their all-star uh, weekend from Atlanta because of the voter suppression laws that are happening in Georgia right now. Mm. Um, and so the MLB is not known for being racially progressive or social justice oriented when it comes to race at all. Um, and obviously voter suppression um, is, is a thing that like um, really, really um, targets racial racial minorities and other minoritized groups. And so shout out to the MLB for, for putting their money where their mouth is and saying like, if y'all can't get with that, like, then we're not doing it. It reminds me of when the NBA um, didn't have their all-star weekend in Charlotte because of the, uh, the bath, the, the gender bathroom um, law. So um, shout out to the, to the uh, major league baseball, um, major league baseball um, for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, the governor of Arkansas, uh, you know, we talked about, I think it was our last show, um, that uh, trans youth were not getting uh, proper health care um, because because of some laws that were in place, um, because of a bill that was in place. And, and the governor actually vetoed that bill that went against health care for, for, trans, for trans youth. So uh, we want to give that governor a shout out. Um, and you know, it's just a beautiful thing to, for one, one is trying to rectify a mistake that should have never been made in the first place. Yes. And one is saying we will not contribute to a mistake that's on, that's ongoing. Yes. And it, I think this is so cool because this spotlight has, it responds to our light roast last week. Both of them do. Right. So like the baseball moving the, uh, the, um, all-star game from Georgia is a response to that bitch ass, uh, voter suppression bill put out by <laughs> Uh, Georgia and um, the governor actually vetoing this conservative governor vetoing this bill put out by a uh, conservative led uh, Congress in Arkansas. And I, I do think it does go back to Congress. And if they can get votes to re- to uh, overturn his veto, it still will be passed. So I think it's 
important to keep your eyes and ears on Arkansas for the meantime. But I, I, I do want to uh, uplift uh, the governor for using his power for the people. Absolutely. As well as the MLB, as well as the MLB for doing the same thing. And yeah, and um, just just for uh, more more context, uh, it's Governor Hutch, Hutchinson, uh, Asa Hutchinson. Um, he's the governor of Arkansas. So I just want to make sure that that um, you know we, we we say we say his name specifically um, um, because you know also also hold, keep holding him him to the fire a, as well. But we want to give a shout out to him to him specifically because that is the you know. He's an old. He's an older white man, and mm-hmm. this is not the moves that older white men are known for making. Yeah. So, <laughs> shout out to you. It's what you're supposed to be doing, but so few of you do it. So, <laughs> so congratulations, um, and hopefully, some of your older white brethren will will follow suit. Yeah. <laughs> T T, it's been a great show, man. Is there is there anything else? No, I don't have anything off the top of my head. Just big shout out to Kendall Cooper for coming through. Absolutely. Uh, to talk to us about women's sports. I think it was a good conversation just thinking about the friendship date, uh, thinking about sexual assault and how to kind of talk about it, how to think about it as it's going through in the media. Um, yeah, it's just been an overall great show. Just even thinking about how we talk to each other. I want y'all to continue to think about that specifically and, and see these examples. And when you're when you're engaging with people, just continue to, to have these conversations with care. But yeah, bro, that's all I got. Anything for you? Man, no, I, I, I just, um, it's been one crazy little week, uh, really, really in sports. Um, it's just, it's like all the stuff really hit the fan. Um, but, but, you know, I, I, I enjoy these types of conversations because I, I do feel like there are some nuggets that, that people really need to take into consideration. I think, I think that, um, not not only Kendall talking about the nuances of women's basketball that I, I didn't even I hadn't really even thought about before, um, but also like this idea of how people engage with folks online. Like mm. I, it, it's just it makes me so uncomfortable. Like it doesn't even have to be all of that, right? It's like pre- preference. There's preference and pers- and perspective. And, and we have different preferences and perspectives and it's okay. (laughs) It's okay. It's, it's okay. We don't have to agree on everything y'all, but we, we can still love each other in the process. Blackberries and raspberries. (laughs) (laughs) That's all it is. That's all it is. (laughs) But take us out T man. This this was good. This was good. And and y'all, we, we got, we got a a lot of great things coming for y'all. We're going to be dropping content uh, this weekend. Just stay on the lookout for us. And thank you again for all the support. Absolutely. So like we like to say here at Brewing Black to keep the coffee Black. Black, and we like our women like we like our podcast. Black. <laughs> all right, y'all. Thank y'all for rocking with us. We are, we are a little over the usual time, but all of it was good. It was all knowledgeable, and we will catch y'all soon. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs>